Hello, and welcome to The Key Podcast, where we talk about theology in every season of life. I'm your host, Sarah Evans, and together we're asking, if Christ is the key to everything, then what are the questions that we get to ask and the things we get to discover? Every fortnight, we discuss systematic theology in bite-sized portions, and along the way, together, we're learning to see and know God in every season of life, whether we're in the spotlight, on the edge, or simply being faithful in the mundane. I'm so excited to have you with us. Let's get started. Hey guys, um, welcome back to another episode. This one kind of a bit of a uh, one-off, you might say. Um, Just wanted to pop in here. Today is All Saints Day. Um, It's an important day in the church calendar. It's fairly significant, and I thought I'd do a little one-off episode talking about that. Um, Really, the idea came to me quite last minute. Actually, after morning prayer today, I was driving home um, from our church and was really struck by how deeply I miss some of our folks from New Zealand um, and other places. And I was really thinking about how we are all connected, even when we don't see each other regularly, right? I haven't seen our friends from New Zealand in quite a long time since we left there. Last night, I uh, was also reading some letters. I was sitting on our couch in our living room, reading some letters from uh, friends on the other side of the country where I currently reside. And I was reminded of the same thing, a closer distance, uh, and yet still haven't seen people in a while. And we might not correspond regularly, but I was reminded that in Christ, we are all united in this sort of mystical, powerful union, um, which is one of the really great gifts, uh, I think, in Christ, that we are united to one another. In fact, I was also thinking about how each Sunday as my local church receives communion, we are sharing the same feast with our family across the globe. And beyond our family across the globe, we aren't just sharing across the world. We're sharing that same feast across the um, annals of time, right? Across all of time. It's like the Eucharist is an accordion which draws together the past, the present, and the future. So when we're receiving communion, we're standing with Israel, awaiting the Messiah, reliving the Exodus. We're with the people in Egypt who are experiencing the uh, Passover with the blood on their doorposts. And at the same time, we are with the church triumphant in the wedding feast of the Lamb. And we are enjoying that feast, a foretaste of that feast, right, that Christ has promised to us. And we are with every believer, all in between those two kind of um, ends of the accordion. That's one of the great and beautiful mysteries of the Eucharist, that we are united around the same table, around the same feast, across the globe, across denominations, and across time. Which brings me back around to All Saints Day. I think a lot of times when we think of saints, we think of really great, mighty saints. We think of the deeds that they have done, the miracles that they have performed in Christ's name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we might think about Peter um, healing people by speaking the name of Christ over them, or of Patrick casting the snakes out of Ireland. Maybe we think of Francis, who tamed wild animals, or Teresa, who had ecstatic, mystical experiences with Christ. Or perhaps Thomas Becket, who I don't know that he did miracles, but he was martyred in a church for defying a king. 
or Bernard, who might have reached North America before the Vikings, right? A Celtic saint and explorer. But All Saints Day isn't really about those folks. We might think that it is, right? The word saint is in there. And so we think of St. Patrick, St. Bernard, St. Columba, St. Catherine. But actually, All Saints Day isn't intended to be about them. It is, of course, because as it's in the title, it's about all saints. But more than just the superheroes in the faith, as we might kind of crassly call them, it's really a day about the quiet farmer in 11th century France who's buried in an unmarked grave and whose descendants are unknown to him. It's about peasants in Germany. It's about the Celtic believers in England before Augustine got there. It's about the hidden Eastern believers who trace their Christian lineage and heritage all the way back to Thomas. It's about all these people who don't have names, who are unknown to us, who didn't perform miraculous deeds of which we are aware. That's what today is about, the quiet, mundane, faithful. Most of us aren't headed to unknown reaches of the globe or to deep interior jungles uh, to give our lives translating scripture. Some of us are, but the majority of us are not. Most of us aren't working miracles of great renown in the power of Christ, but we are perhaps working a greater miracle as we bend and submit our wills to the Holy Spirit, as we allow his work in sanctifying us and our homes and our families, as we serve one another when we are exhausted and sick and grumpy, And so in honor of that, and to maybe help you think about who the saints are in your life and how you are called to being a saint, how you are marked out as one of the holy ones in Christ, I want to share a little bit about three very different saints in my life. Um, I love reading about the miraculous and the unexplained things of the saints, right? My daughter has a book that we enjoy reading um, that has a number of different saints who have done wild things for Christ. I love meditating on that, the things they did, how I can hope to emulate them. I find that to be inspiring um, and it ignites my imagination. But this is going to be three stories about people who are very different from that kind of idea, and perhaps that makes them more accessible. It certainly does for me. When I was growing up, there was a family on our street. They had kids a bit younger than me, so we didn't know them super well. Right? We didn't kind of interact on that same uh, playing field in the sense of playing together as children and then parents becoming friends because of that. But they were really kind folks. Um, they were really nice easy to talk to, um, great neighbors. He was a tradesman. Uh, I know he did some work uh, for different neighbors on our street. He was known as being faithful and honest and a good hard worker. He would give you a fair price and he would do the job well and he would do it in a timely manner. When I graduated from high school, they gave me a really sweet card that had a really lovely note. I can still remember what they wrote in it and what it said. I had hardly interacted with them on any kind of intimate, deep level, right? It had been very basic neighborly interactions over the years, out shoveling snow, mowing the lawn, walking back and forth to the pool or the tennis courts, very kind of basic things. And yet they had noticed me. They had seen me. They had known me well enough to write me a very kind and encouraging note. And I was so honored and delighted by that. 
um, that they would see me and take the time to notice me and then to speak out of what they had noticed, something that was very encouraging as I was in a major life transition of graduating high school. Years later, gosh, I think I was out of college. I may have even been married, (laughs) Um, but my mom was talking with this neighbor and he told her just sort of by the by that he went to mass every morning. My impression is it had not always been that way, but he had had some encounter with Jesus and found his faith um, reignited in a new, fresh way. And so he started going to Mass, not weekly, but every single morning. If you know anyone who works in the trades, you know that means he went to a very early service because he had to be at work quite early. This quiet, gentle man with a very sweet and loving family um, was quietly working out his salvation in the everyday. He was going to mass every day. He was noticing Jesus throughout his day, and he was choosing to love and serve others by loving his family well, by supporting them financially, and by being a faithful, honest worker. He noticed others. He was a faithful man, a good neighbor. His wife was sweet. His kids were great. They were just normal, average folks. And yet they could see people and make a difference in their lives even without working miracles. Another story, my grandparents were quite faithful followers of Jesus. They were not perfect, but they loved God, and they dedicated a lot of time and money to God's service, whether directly or by giving to people like missionaries who were doing um, a particular form of work. Throughout their many decades of marriage, my grandparents also mentored a lot of young couples who were engaged or who were newlyweds. i If I remember correctly, they did this work through their church. I don't know, of course, where all those marriages are at today, but I'm confident that a good number of them were encouraged and strengthened by the time, the example, the witness, and the mentoring which my grandparents offered. My grandparents opened their home. They listened well. They read the Bible together with people who were younger than themselves. They passed on their wisdom and their maturity and their advice. My grandfather had only a high school education, and he went to night school for college. My grandmother actually gave up a scholarship for college in order to get married and to have a family. They split their lives between Ohio and Pennsylvania. I don't know that my grandmother ever left the country. These were small towns, small lives kind of people. And yet, they were faithful in that life that God had called them to. And they touched the lives of many. And finally, um, a friend of mine in another country who is kind of the unsung quiet hero of her church, I think. I'm sure she would not think of herself this way, um, but this is how I think of her. She cleans the bathrooms at church. She dusts the pews. She puts together lessons for the children. When the candles burn down, she takes home the wax and makes new candles from it. This is such a small thing and yet such a great gift of her time and effort and intentionality and the thoughtfulness um, and the willingness to sacrifice in a seemingly small way always reminds me of the widow who gave the two coins, the two small coins. She cares for grandchildren regularly. She serves morning tea at our church. Um, She always has a roast in the oven for after church and regularly invites people to come and share that meal with them. And she 
um, basically has, it feels like an open house where you could just show up and she will put the kettle on and make you tea and usually has some kind of scone or biscuit, something in the uh, pantry to share. Um, She gives away produce from her garden uh, and she makes meals, delightful, delicious meals from scratch, which she takes to people um, who are in need or she invites people to come and to share them. Actually, yesterday I was in the kitchen shuffling around in my house shoes and I was wearing an apron over a skirt and a wool shirt with a cardigan or a cardi as we used to say in New Zealand and I had on wool tights and I could still feel the cold floor under my feet. And my husband has recently pointed out that our kitchen reminds him of the kitchen in which this friend you know, lives and does a lot of her work right at her house. Um, and I have often seen her in wool tights or leggings with a skirt and a undershirt and a wool top and a wool sweater because their house is often freezing. It was built pre-1900. Um, our house is also built pre-1900. And I just had this moment where I felt like, um, I don't know, I just, I felt a little bit like her as I was looking down um, at my clothes that I was wearing bundled up and then putting on the kettle to have a hot drink. And I just felt like this friend back home in New Zealand. Um, When I was describing the moment to my husband when he got home from work, he said, were you just having this best life now, but feeling like you're living someone else's life, (laughs) Um, like her protege almost. And I was like, yeah. But then we laughed because I hadn't been moving um, at 100 miles an hour like this friend does because, guys, she moves so fast all the time. Um, And I think it's because she has so much to do as she is serving and caring for friends um, and family and everyone around her. And I have never once heard her complain about that. And I actually think she might know how to bend time because of all the ways in which she serves and gets things done for people. And you know what? Her children will rise up and call her blessed, right? Out of Proverbs 31. And so will the women she has adopted, women like me. And yet she will also be an obscure saint in another 20 or 30 years. And she, in the long run, will not be remembered the way that St. Francis or St. Catherine or St. Teresa or any of the other famous superhero saints are remembered and have books written about them. But that really doesn't matter because all of our work is seen and known and carried by Jesus as an offering to the Father in his ministry as our great high priest, right? My friend's whole life is being given up to the service of God in everyday activities, just like my grandparents and their pouring out into the lives of others were being given up for the service of Christ and that neighbor on our street growing up in quiet, mundane, faithful, and holy living was being given up for the love of Christ. My husband has an icon that sits on his nightstand of... um, Joseph, the father of Jesus, the adopted father of Jesus, I should say. And um, it says on there, St. Joseph, the carpenter. (laughs) And I love it because it is so simple. It's so obvious. Um, Joseph was a carpenter, and yet his life was given over to God in a unique way. And he didn't declaim that. He didn't boast about that. He just continued living, being a faithful husband, 
being a steady, hard worker, finding work wherever they went, wherever they lived, putting a roof over their heads, right? These were the holy things which he did. And the holy things that my husband is doing, that many other husbands are doing, that I am trying to do for my family, right? Maybe you're a really strict Baptist as you're listening. I don't know where everyone comes from. Maybe you're freaking out a little bit that I'm discussing All Saints Day and the icon sitting on my husband's nightstand. Maybe you're a devout Catholic and you went to Mass this morning and prayed with and for the saints, right? Maybe you're somewhere in between. Wherever we're at on the spectrum, I hope that today, as you walk through the day, um, you are able to meditate on the concept of all the saints of the church, of the church now globally, um, in our city, in our local bodies, and also the church throughout the ages, right? That has been made up of unsung, unknown uh, saints, right? We do not know all of their names. I hope that that is encouraging and that you remember you too are a saint. You also are one of the beloved in Christ. And that just like all of those people across time and across the world, your work is also an offering to God. Whatever that work is, whatever that life is, whether single or married or widowed, working, retired, having children, Jesus is pleased to dwell with you even if you aren't healing people or planting churches. I think that is the beauty of All Saints Day. It's a reminder of the ordinary folk, a reminder that actually maybe washing the dishes is the greatest act of faithfulness. Maybe listening to the rambling child or changing yet another messy nappy. Maybe being a prosecutor on a criminal case. Maybe nailing another board into the side of a house as you're framing it, or maybe making sure that oil and gas gets to people's homes to heat it across those pipelines, right? Maybe any of those things as small, routine, and mundane as they seem, maybe these are the great works because these are the offerings of the ordinary saint of which there are many and of which you and I can probably count ourselves. So with that in mind, on this All Saints Day, my friends, go well into your financial institutions, your classrooms, your hospital rooms, your church halls, whether it's carpenter, student, lawyer, homemaker, whatever. Be the best that you can be as we lay down our whole lives to the glory of God. And may you experience his presence walking alongside you as you do the work that he has put before you. Amen. Friends, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of The Key. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. It really helps others to find the podcast. And that's actually the goal, to share the gospel and make theological education available for the benefit of the church in every season. If you want to get in touch, head on over to the website, thekeypodcast.org. You can also check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash thekeypodcast. There you'll find exclusive episodes, a book club, and materials for members. 
Also, I really love hearing from listeners. So please sing out and get in touch if you want. Until next time, God's grace and peace to each of you.